The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's financial objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should obtain independent advice before making any financial decisions. Hi, this is Barry Fitzgerald, Garen Perro columnist for Stockhead. Welcome to another edition of the Explorers podcast. We're off to West Africa today, and why wouldn't we be if you have a look at the performance of ASX-listed companies operating in that part of the world? They are the success stories of uh, 2022. Uh, talking about West African resources, now got a market cap of $1.4 billion. Perseus, market cap of $2.3 billion. It's also been a hotbed of uh, M&A activity in uh, recent times, uh, as uh, companies from countries like uh, Canada, China and uh, Europe uh, zero in on the uh, the West African uh, region, which is, a, of course, a collection of 16 uh, uh, countries under the UN uh, banner that um, have the ability to produce these low-cost ounces. And we're talking around uh, asset costs of around $1,000 an ounce, which the Australian producers uh, just can't do. So with that, our guest today is Andrew Dinning. Andrew is CEO and President of the dual-listed Sarama Resources, Trades under the code SRR, last traded in the Australian market for 14.5 cents, which gives it a market cap of 20 million, which is uh, surprisingly low, given the company's got about 3 million ounces in resources in the bag and is actively exploring to add to the story. The project, the main project uh, is Sanatura, and it's in the southwest of Burkina Faso. So with that, Andrew, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Barry. Very, um, very pleased to join you on this podcast and I guess have an opportunity to talk about Sarama and our projects and West Africa in general. Great. Perhaps um, if we could just get a bit of a scene setter from you about West Africa. I've mentioned the two Australian success stories there and um, the region's number two status as a gold province um, and its ability, it seems, to produce low-cost ounces. Uh, what is it about the West African gold deposits that... Uh, they seem to have scale and low-cost uh, capability. Yeah, look, I think um, when you look at the, you know, prospectivity of, of that part of the world, um, you know, there's quite a, a few pretty decent-sized, you know, deposits it's from an exploration point of view. A lot of West Africa is, you know, pretty early in its life. Um, so, you know, therefore the, you know, yeah, exploration and discovery costs are, are quite low. So, mm-hmm. you know, our discovery costs are around 10 bucks an ounce. And I think that's fairly consistent with our peer group as well. Most of what, you know, we're drilling starts at surface. Um, you know, we, we've kind of got roughly 50 metres of oxide um, and some areas 80 metres where, where we've been drilling now. So, you know, typically you have pretty good starter positions and, and big deposits. And, you know, a lot of that's driven by the geology. Um, if you look in the belt where we're working in Burkina Faso, um, you know, the deposits there, if they're in Australia, I think would, would have people pretty excited. But if you look, you know, 80, 80 kilometres to the north of us, uh, Endeavour Mining has got their Hyundai uh, mine that's doing around quarter of a million ounces a year and it's got uh you know over a five million ounce resource which they they keep growing every mm-hmm. year mm-hmm. 
you go another 70 kilometres north of that, you've got the Manor Mine, which is a, a similar size deposit. Uh, adjacent to that, you've got a 12 gram underground at Yaramoko, owned by Fortuna Silver. So I guess what you're seeing is, you know, high quality deposits, most of them commencing at surface. Um, and exploration typically, you know, it's fairly straightforward. So we use soil geochem as a pathfinder to, to take us into the area. Um, so we're not drilling, dealing with hundreds of metres of cover. Um, so, you know, really from an exploration point of view, it's, you know, it's relatively low cost. Um, and then from an exploitation point of view, the deposits are typically shallow. Um, you know, the grades in West Africa, average grade, probably one and a half to two grams. So, you know, we, we're, we very much like it geologically as a, as a jurisdiction. It's, it's very well established um, in Burkina Faso where we work, obviously West African have done a, a fantastic job there. Um, they've just acquired Kiaka from B2 and put out a feasibility on that during diggers, which I think kind of placed that project at 200,000 ounces a year for I think a 20 year life. So, yeah. and that's adjacent to San Brado. So we, you know, we just see there's opportunity everywhere. Um, yeah. You know, every jurisdiction has got its own idiosyncrasies, but, um, yeah, they're very well established, whether it's Burkina Faso, which, you know, mining codes based on Western Australia, so it's very transparent and straightforward. You know, to Ghana, which has got a long history of gold mining and, you know, Ivory Coast as well. So, um, yeah, we, we think, you know, it's a good place to work. I think, um, you know, Burkina Faso, even though it does have some areas that are, you know, cause a few more challenges um, from a geological point of view, exploration and construction point of view, it's it's... Yeah, it's a good jurisdiction. Mm, okay. Now you've got uh, a roughly uh, twenty million dollar market cap with your Canadian and Australian shares, and I mentioned earlier that uh, it has been a hotbed of uh, M and A. And you just talked about West Africans uh, pick up there. Um, you feeling a bit vulnerable in that part of the world, or do you see it more as an opportunity to perhaps be involved in some consolidation of uh, deposits and operations? I think it's a bit of both, to be honest. Um, depends which way you're looking. Um, you know, we obviously look at Oclo getting acquired for 135 bucks an ounce, which is, you know, 20 times what we trade at. Um, mm. And in Mali, a fairly small deposit. Um, and, you know, great outcome for their shareholders. For us, um, where we operate in Burkina in the belt, um, there was probably 13 or 14 companies operating there maybe seven or eight years ago, and that's mm. consolidated down to, to three now. So it's us and Endeavour Mining, which are about a $6 or $7 billion Canadian and TSX, um, TSX and London Stock Exchange listed company uh, run out of the UK, um, and Fortuna Silver. And that's that's also a recent transaction because they bought Rocks Gold. So um, right. you know, Endeavour bought Taranga, they bought Semifo, um, so now really where we are, it's just us and Endeavour. Um, and our main project, the Sanatura project uh, that you mentioned, has got close to 3 million ounces on it. And, you know, we're continuing to, to grow that. Um, Endeavour's got the ground to the west of us. Um, it's called the Bantu project, and that's got 1.5 million ounces on it. So, you know, there's 4 million ounces within a 5 or 6 kilometre radius of our main deposit at Tankoro. So that's just begging for consolidation, and I think, you know, in the longer run, that will come together. And the question for us will be, you know, will it be us that owns it or Endeavour? Um, mm. So it's kind of a, it's a 
it's kind of an interesting one. Endeavour's drilling there at the moment. I think just going to make a call on that because it's a legacy asset that they um, ended up acquiring when they acquired Semaphy. Um, we've also got a joint venture with them immediately to the west of that um, called Karen Casso that joins our Sanatura project as well, and that's got 700,000 ounces on it. So there's a huge amount of gold in the area, and most of that ounces I've just mentioned, I'd say probably 80% sit within... Uh, 150 metres of surface or, or more than that, probably 85. So that's shallow and you're talking four or five million ounces. So um, we see that coming together. And like I say, whether it's us or Endeavour, but if it's us, mm. then I would say uh, we would then be very exposed. Um, you know, being a, a junior holding five million ounces, um, <laughs> you, you know, we thought we'd have a big bullseye on us from a, an intermediate. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Endeavour Mining might not be known to most people, but it's it's uh, got a market cap of about five billion uh, US, and um, last year produced around one point four million ounces at an ASIC, all in sustaining costs. That is of uh, sub one thousand dollars US. So huge margins compared to uh, with what uh, the West Australian boys are able to achieve at the moment. I think just kind of picking up on that, you know, if you look at the two lowest cost gold producers on the ASX, the Perseus and West African, and there they, mm. there's a reason for that, and that's because of the quality of the deposits in West Africa are, you know, much higher than what they are here, and and the cost base for production, you know, believe it or not, is much lower. So, mm. yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting dynamic, that's for sure. So we've got the uh, the broader context uh, well and truly understood now. Um, so tell us about the latest at uh, Sanatura where you've uh, kicked off this drilling program and you've had some immediate success, I see, at a, a prospect called Obi. Yeah, yeah, it's we're actually pretty excited by these results. Um, this, this is drilling in the southern part of our Sanatura project, so the main deposit um, is located here. Um, this area at Obi, we'd identified some time back as potentially hosting flat zones mineralisation, which is... Uh, obviously different to what we've seen elsewhere on the project, which is typically sub-vertical. Mm-hmm. Um, so this drill program was very targeted, uh, as is the whole, we've got 50,000 metres planned and the whole lot's, it's not just blanket bombing every hole has kind of been put in for a reason, but in this particular area, it was, I guess, to test the thesis on on these flat structures. And I guess the drilling probably came in, you know, better than we hoped. Um, you know, some pretty decent hits in there, you know, 12 at 2.8, 10 at kind of basically 2.8, all shallow, all in oxide. And uh, what we've also seen is multiple hits in drill holes. So those thicknesses are pretty much true thickness. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, and it's all in oxide. And what we're seeing is a kind of, I guess, shallow dip or plunge to the to the east. Um, and when you extrapolate that structure out, it, it does actually run into the sub-vertical stuff that we've got running northeast. So we're pretty keen to get some drill holes into that area as well because there's a lot of scope for uh, in, enrichment, you know, where you get two major structures intersect. Um, mm. But also, you know, one we've got 1.8 kilometres long strike from this area that hasn't got a drill hole in it. Um, and when you look at the way the mineralisation is trending, um, you know, there's plenty of scope to, to grow that a long trend, but also look for replicating structures. So I think all in all, you know, for us, 
extending the oxides down to 80 metres in this area, it, it's quite material from a mining point of view. Mm-hmm. But also the tenor of these zones is quite good, you know, in the plus two, two gram zone, uh, plus two gram range, two to three, um, with some kind of standout kind of 11 type intercepts that that uh, we've hit in the area before as well. Um, I think probably the best hits that we've had in there historically is, you know, seven at 11, um, which is pretty substantial um, kind of hit. Um, and that's all kind of fairly finely disseminated gold. So we're, it, it's a good area for us. Um, but I, I think the other thing for us is if we looked kind of elsewhere in Bikina at similar types of mineralisation and probably the closest analogue we see is that Endeavours Manor Mine and they've drilled off an area called Kari Pump. Um, and there's kind of, I think the maiden resource on that was over a million ounces at two and a half grams. So um, it's quite analogous to this. And this is mostly blind as well. Um, so the soils that I was mentioning earlier, we, we use as a pathfinder are pretty sketchy in this area. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we think, you know, this kind of opens up a whole new exploration um, you know, model for us to, to run down now. And if we can repeat areas like this, particularly in oxide, then it bodes, you know, very well from a, a startup point of view with those kind of grades and thicknesses mm. and depths as well. Yeah. So I understand the overall aim here is to obviously add to the, you've got what about, uh, is it about a million ounces uh, in, indicated and inferred in oxide and transitional gold at the moment? You want yeah, to build on that? Correct. In that part of the world, when does one get excited that uh, one has a development opportunity? Do you need two million ounces, two and a half, three, four? Well, I think we're at that point now. The, the mm. question for us now is um, is how big we want to make the project. So really mm. the, the drilling we've got lined up um, over the next six to 12 months is to see how big we can get this before we put a pin in it. So I think like anywhere, your kind of minimum threshold is probably 100,000 ounces a year. For us, we focus on payback. Um, probably three metrics we look at is payback, IRR and MPV. And everyone will have an argument on that. But probably the most important one for us is payback period. So mm. the internal work we've done on this and, and while we're very interested in these most recent results and also focusing on oxides, um, the most important thing for us is a rapid payback. So the internal work we've done on this, um, you know, suggests it at 150 million US build, which we think is probably around the mark. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, probably a sub 18 month payback at the current gold price. Um, we've done quite a lot of work internally on on that, what it might or might not look like. So yeah, for us. Having a very rapid payback is important from a, a financing, you know, debt and um, you know, cost of financing point of view. Um, obviously, lenders want to get their money out back as quickly as they can. That's their modus operandi. And um, for us, we obviously, you know, want to build and, and pay back as quickly as we can. So, you know, our focus on oxides and near surface stuff really is to enhance that development picture. And ideally, we'd like to get. You know, the first seven or eight years of feed just purely on oxide, then we can build a plain vanilla CIL. Um, the oxides that we see here are all free dig as well, so there's no drill, drill and blast. The strip ratios are fairly modest, probably around the four to five mark. So, um, and given the geometry, we can probably have pretty steep, pretty steep pit walls as well and have ramps 
in pit, so uh, as opposed to the pit wall. So, um, you know, going back to I guess your original question, you know, I'd say the size we're at now is big enough to to start a project, but the question for us is how big are we going to make it? So, mm. if we can manage to snaffle that endeavour ground to the west of us, then yeah, we we'd look at configuring a a very long life project at normally probably 150,000 ounces a year average. Um, and I'd say probably a stage development just to spread the capital load. But um, that that's kind of if, but the most important thing for us is, you know, we've got a standalone project now. And all we're doing now is just, you know, trying to work out how big it's going to be and what the configuration should look like. But if we can get a solid seven or eight years, just purely on oxide feed, um, we make a lot of money out of that before we start bringing in the hard rock. Uh, mm. We only got to look at the money that Sasengi threw off. So if we did a plant similar size to Sasengi, uh, maybe a little bigger. You know, in the early years, Sasengi was an absolute cash machine. Um, we would see our project being the same but bigger and longer life. Okay. Come back to the uh, deeply discounted valuation, twenty million. What yep. do you see needs to happen for the market to uh, get on board with this story? Oh, I think there's a, a few things. I think one, you know, we're still unknown in Australia, so we've obviously got a lot of work to do to increase that profile here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think people need to understand the the quality of the project, um, particularly the, you know, the first stage of the project is is very good. Uh, so I think, you know, we obviously got to get out there. We've been waiting to get our first lot of drill results out to start speaking to people so we can start doing that now. You know, we have suffered from a lack of news flow for you know, a protracted period of time through COVID and permit delays and whatever. So that mm. in North America has kind of really hurt us. But, um, you know, the pivot to Australia is quite deliberate, obviously. Um, you know, there's a lot of Australian um, juniors have had a lot of success in West Africa. But we're Perth-based and we always have been. So for us, it's logical to do that anyway. Um, I ran Moto Golds in the Congo which we found the Kabali Gold Deposit. Mm-hmm. Um, that's doing 800,000 ounces a year now. It's owned by Barrick. So we, we actually found that and took it through to pre-development. Um, that company was ultimately listed on the TSX, which is why Sarama listed on the TSX. To start yes. with. Mm-hmm. It's, been, you know, it's been an ambition for quite a while to actually move to the ASX um, for a whole bunch of reasons, but you know, that which were highlighted during COVID when I couldn't travel. Um, we see it, you know, as an exchange that you know understands the jurisdiction where we work, and maybe has a little bit different risk tolerance, and it's a very well trodden path for Australian explorers, and they've had a lot of success. And yeah, you know, WAF, Cardinal, Perseus, you can just kind of keep stacking them up. Yeah, go way back to Redback and things like that. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, our chairman, he was I first met him actually because Redback put Moto Gold into play before Rangold bought us. Um, mm. So I met Simon way back then, and he's a founder of Sarama, so he's very au with that part of the world as well. So, mm. yeah, we have connections going back many, many years into that part of the world. Okay. Now, to um, you're funded for this uh, drilling program to uh, be virtually continuous from here now? Yeah, we funded um, you know, well into the, the program. We've still got a lot of drilling to do. Um, we've done 20,000 metres so far of, of kind of 
first cotton lot of drilling is around 50,000 metres, but there's another 25,000 metres to come after that. Um, I would expect at some point through that period we'd need to load up the bank balance because when you're drilling mm. that volume of metres, um, there's uh, obviously you, you burn through it, um, especially when you're raising Aussie dollars and spending US dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we've got 20,000 metres kind of banked so far. We won't be drilling now until probably late November because of the seasonal it's seasonal rains. So we parked the rigs up probably a week before last um, because it's got too wet. And then it basically would depend when we can get back on the ground, which normally is kind of late November. So we'll hopefully get a month, six weeks in before Christmas yeah. um, and, uh, and get on with it. But I mean, at the end of the day, I think like all companies, you know, you're opportunistic. If, if the market's good and there's an opportunity to put a bit of money in the treasury, you do it. Mm. Otherwise, you just drive on. But I must say, we're pretty happy to have raised the money when we did. Um, I think it would have been pretty tough to get an IPO away in the last couple of months. Mm, okay. And I'll provide just a little anecdote to finish things off. Did you go to Diggers and Dealers this year? I did go to Diggers and Dealers. You were there, were you? Yeah. Yep. You must have done some talking because I wasn't able to go this year. I left my uh, bookings for accommodation and... Uh, Flight's too late. So I rang around um, what I like to call the Perth Mafia to, to find out well, what was the stock that people set up and were talking about in the bars and <laughs> around the booths. And there were a couple that came back to me and guess what? One of them was you guys, Sarama Resources. Oh, really? Mm. So that was in the, you know, one to watch. Yeah. And I can see now why. You know, $20 million market cap, 3 million ounces already adding answers as we talk and uh, in a very interesting part of the world from a M&A consolidation uh, viewpoint. So I'll certainly be putting you on the watch list. Yeah, I think I think we should, particularly at the current price, we should definitely be on people's watch lists. Um, mm. You know, we've got a project now. It's just questions just how big it's going to be. You've got the whole M&A and corporate side of things that, you know, people don't seem to really pick up on, but they, they sure as heck should be. So, um, you know, we always have a very open dialogue with Endeavour um, because we've got a joint venture with them. Um, but they've been also very good to deal with and we've got you know, good relationships right through with those guys from the board down. Endeavour, it's a quality uh, outfit. Yeah, they've done a great job. And what they tend to do is just keep upgrading their assets. And they've got to a point now where their size thresholds quite significant. So mm. Masawa, where they just bring in Biox and that will be, take that to a 400,000 ounce a year operation, which is pretty big. Oh, um, yes. So yeah, the size threshold they're looking for now, and that's why we think there's a reasonable chance that we'll get that ground to the west of us and that'll kind of change our project again, right? So mm. um, yeah, we're not a one trick pony, that's for sure. You know, geologically, we're in a great a great place. We've already got a big resource base that underpins the value of the company. So people investing aren't having to worry about us kind of heading out and drilling dusters left, right and centre. Um, really, the work we're doing now is trying to frame the project up. Um, yeah, and then you have the corporate side and then you have the development side and then you have the exploration side. So there's multiple avenues to look at the company. Um, you know, we operate in southwest Burkina and we're pretty happy where we are down there. I was down there and I spent a few weeks there in May. It was great. It was like uh, taking a step back in time in good old Africa. The locals are happy and friendly and want to see us there. Uh, yeah, great to hear. 
Right, Andrew, you've uh, outlined a very interesting story there. And uh, as I say, it's got all the way back to diggers and dealers this year. So we'll certainly well, be watching with good. interest. So, yeah, I'm pretty happy to hear that, to be honest. Yeah, you can tell the board that, that your time there was uh, not just spent in the bars, you were working in the room and it rubbed off. So. Yeah. <laughs> all righty. So thanks for your time today. Best of luck with it. Uh, and we'll be uh, keeping in touch. Thanks, Barry. I very much appreciate your time and, and the chat. Cheers.